Welcome to Cabbages and Kings, a podcast for readers of science fiction and fantasy. I'm your host, Jonah Sutton Morse. I am interviewing Troy Wiggins. Troy first came across my radar radar as an author in the anthology Long Hidden. He blogs at afrofantasy.net, including a recent piece in defense of Sword and Soul, another piece examining urban fantasy where he wrote, Speculative fiction that uses the urban as a setting for its plot, to me, is at its best when it uses that setting as an examination of the social environment, ills and all, of the people who go through their daily lives there. I may want to come back to that, but first of all, I want to start with just a bit of your general history with the genre, early speculative fiction books that you read, and how'd you get into reading science fiction and fantasy? Okay, yeah, I can talk to that quite a bit, actually. So when I was in elementary school, we had, here in Memphis, because I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, when I was in elementary school here, we had a program called Accelerated Reader. You got, it was like a points system, so you read a book, and when you finished the book, you would take a little test on it, and you get points. The longer the book was, the more points you got for it. And it just so happened that a lot of the books with a lot of pages were science fiction and fantasy books. So when I, was, when I would start reading, when I started reading, I would read these books that were like middling length and they'd be like for three points or f- two or three points. But like, I remember very vividly that like the Chronicles of Narnia was six points. Okay. And I was like, oh man, I want those points. So <laughs> I went and I read it. That was the first, uh, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe was the first, I guess you would call it speculative fiction book that I read. And it was in like maybe the fifth grade. I read, I, so I read that whole trilogy and then, um, I read some a couple books about like a couple like sci-fi books featuring dinosaurs. I really liked dinosaurs back then, and then I discovered David Eddings, and it kind of went from there. I read The Hobbit and like six, and so like middle school, late late elementary school, early middle school is when I started. I tried to read Lord of the Rings in like the seventh grade, and I think that kind of like stopped me from reading speculative fiction altogether. Okay. It was it was too much for me. I couldn't really I couldn't really get with it, and it took starting to read Redwall to bring me back for for a time. I I started and stopped with fantasy and sci fi mm-hmm. many times over the course of my life. Just you know, I would get disgusted, or I'd be reading too much of the same stuff, and so I'm like, oh man, or I just wanted to read comic books more because I love comic books. Okay. For me, once one science fiction and fantasy bit, that's embarrassingly all that I have read. Beyond sci-fi fantasy and comic books, are there other genres you read much of? Yeah, I love essays, uh, especially now in okay. this time where like everybody's writing everything. I'm finding that a lot of essays by black people are really, really thoughtful. And doing a lot of work. And I think it's because a lot of these black writers are writing for their lives. Mm-hmm. So they're having to write these pieces that are just amazing. And I never was a big nonfiction reader until now. But yeah, my interests tend toward lit, just general lit. I like FM lit a lot. So I read a lot of, I used to read a lot of Zora Neale Hurston. Walter Mosley is my favorite writer. I read a lot of the Harlem Renaissance writers. I read some contemporary African-American lit. I read a lot of that. I read general fiction, like the airport stuff, when I can. So it runs the gamut. But just now, starting to get into nonfiction, reading essays and reading. I read uh, Hampton Sides, A Hellhound on His Trail, about James Earl Ray last year, I think it was. Okay. And it was really good. I'm just kind of, I don't want to say I'm like broad, but I do read a lot of different stuff. 
That is, compared to me, extremely broad. I am now wondering how you find the time to read all of these books. You know, it's hard. I, I don't know how anybody has the time to read anything, because I barely get it done. So I've noticed that part of my problem is I like rereading a lot and mm-hmm. returning to books. Mm-hmm. Which means that I get to read less new stuff. Do you do much of that? Or is it or like once you've read something, you're on to the next because the to-be-read pile is so big? Yeah, I used to be able to do that. Now I have a lot of obligatory reading. I read Slush at a Skate Pod. I'm in a writing group and we have like four stories a month from that group. And uh, people send me their stuff every once in a while. I was like, can you like look over this for me? Now I don't have a lot of time to reread. <laughs> But back in the day, like, I might embarrass myself here. One of the first books that I started reading when I got back on the wagon, so to speak, after college was Aragon. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I read that book at least 20 times. And it was, looking back, I'm like, why are you reading that so much? But I guess it's because I was just, I was fresh and new to the genre again. Uh And so it was re-familiarizing myself with all of the stuff that comes with reading a fantasy novel. It has all of the stuff that comes with reading a fantasy novel. Stuff is there. At at least of a certain genre. I don't get to reread much anymore. (laughs) One and done for me. Yeah. It it will be a few weeks ago now when the podcast airs, but earlier this week there was uh, an interview. Mr. Faust had the interview with N.K. Jemisin uh, about her reading and writing process. And she said... Something that hit home for me that many of her readers give feedback that she kind of brought them back to the genre or re-energized their reading. Yeah. And her response was was essentially, you weren't looking hard enough before. There's stuff out there and she's glad that people like what she's written, but there's other interesting things out there. And I found that a real challenge because uh, N.K. Jemisin was one of the authors who brought me back to the genre a few years ago and the 100,000 Kingdoms. And since then, I have been working on stretching what it is that I'm reading and who I'm reading. And I have found at this point that almost everything I'm reading is first recommended on Twitter. Like, that's now how I'm finding new books. Two questions. Where, what are you using now to discover new stuff? I mean, I realize at this point you're getting a lot of things pushed at you. And are you <laughs> happy with those discovery methods? Are there other things you want to try? Well, yeah, Twitter's definitely where I find stuff most of the time. I follow a lot of the lit mags that do, that focus on spec fic. Mm-hmm. I follow uh, Apex and Shimmer and all those places. And so when, and then I follow, I can't, I never, is it Skiffy and Fanty? I don't, like, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. probably embarrassing myself trying to say it, but I do follow That's that site. Yeah. And um, so I know they do like a roundup and IO9 does the roundup. So I, I get those. But the problem is I never read any of it. I favorite the tweets and I bookmark them. And I'm like, I'm going to come to that later. And I never do. (laughs) My pocket app was ridiculously large. I had so much stuff saved. I just, when I got my new phone, I got, because we just came back from Korea and had to get a new phone and stuff. I just didn't even download pocket again. I was like, you know what? Not going to worry about it. Just going to start over. (laughs) But yeah, I like Twitter. Twitter It's good for letting you see the stuff that's out there. And if you can, for me, if I can just go ahead and click through and read whatever it is, I'm happy with it. But the problem is that I rarely ever click through. Like this morning I saw 
Sari Renee Thomas had a poem, and I, I don't remember what the magazine was. I have to look. But she had a poem in the magazine, and I clicked through and I read it right then because right. I knew, one, I love Sheree Renee Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I pretty, I pretty much try to read anything she does. And I knew that if I didn't click through and read it right then, I would never get to read it. Or I would come back to it, and it'd be too late. Right. She she edited Dark Matter, right? Yes. That she, That is the anthology... Because when we've moved, we've purged a bunch of books, mm. and almost none of them do I regret passing on. Like, I got rid of the Red Wall series. I got rid of <laughs> a lot of Catherine Kurtz. I got rid of Eddings. Like, there were a lot of books that I had had for a long time and got rid of. And, and the only one that I look at my bookshelf and I'm like, I wish this was on my shelf. I really need to go out and find it again is the Dark Matter anthology, partly because I want to get back into reading short fiction. Yeah. Jeez. I never really got through all the stories in it. I probably, I never told her that. Because I met her last year. Uh, and um, we talked, and I was like, I love Dark Matter. But I never really read all the stories. And I'm kind of pissed, because Charles Saunders had a story in Dark Matter. And I oh. didn't get a chance to read it. Just because I, I, I borrowed it from somebody, and I had to give it back. Yeah, but uh, yeah. And now I have even more reason to go back and get it. I am not quite halfway through Imaro, based uh, on your recommendation, <laughs> and and working on it. Is it is it a tough read? Or are you? Are oh you, no, no. Yeah. it's it it knows exactly what it wants to be. Yeah, it, is, yep. it is one like there are there are problems with it. I remember I I got it. I got the Kindle edition, and my wife uh, came home and I said, "Yeah, I got this new book. This guy on Twitter recommended." It. And she said. Well, that's the one with the funny cover, huh? <laughs> um, because e- even for fantasy covers, it's it's a little a little gratuitous. But yeah. um, no, I mean it's it's clearly of a time and and has some problems, but it knows what it wants to be, and it's wonderful. You know, sword and sorcery genre with an African flavor, sword and soul, yeah. right? Yeah, sword and soul. Yep, that's it. And there's some new stuff too, like uh, Milton Davis. The I guess you could call him like the I don't know I don't want to call him protege but I mean okay. I guess that's probably what Charles calls him but he has a good duology called it's the Meiji duology and it's I don't I don't want to say it's better than Amaro because Amaro's like the best but it's really good and it does a lot of it's it's I guess one of the if I was making like a syllabus a sword and soul syllabus it would definitely be on it it's I think one of the seminal texts for like when you're considering sword and soul okay. How many of the, how many short stories beyond your the slush reading and critique reading that you're doing? Do you get through very many of the magazines that are published? Yes, uh, I. So. <laughs> and do you do you pick out specific authors? Do you follow authors? I pick out authors. That's what it is. I was just about to admit to doing that. Like, um, uh, Lisa Bolakaja has a has a piece coming out of Uncanny. Pretty soon, okay. and I, I want to read all of the stories in the magazine. I do, but I'm gonna read hers first. Yeah, just because you know, I I know her. Well, I don't know her, but we we were in Long Hidden together, and I try to keep up with her work. Yeah. You know, if Daniel Jose Older has a short story drop, and I read it, you know, yeah, I just I follow authors around wherever they happen to pop up, mm-hmm. and um, authors even like like uh Malin Lewis. If he puts a story somewhere, I'm probably yes. going to read it. 
Yes, like he was totally not on my radar until um, the Half Dark Promise, yeah. and then Cecily Kane brought that to my attention, and it was so good. Yeah, yeah. He has a he. I think I found him. I don't remember the name of it, the piece. It was I can't even remember the magazine, but it was I think twenty thirteen, and I read it. It was like a voicemail, and there was like Jean Grey in it. I don't. I don't. I feel bad. I don't remember enough about the story because it was like one of those. Like, I need to click through and read this now because I won't read it. And I don't remember anything about it. So I decided after Long Hidden, like I read Long Hidden and it was a very formative book for me. Like it was like, oh my goodness, short stories can be good and entire anthologies can be good. Because my experience usually with an anthology was like, there'd be one or two stories I really liked and I'd like half of them and the other half would be like, eh... And Long Hidden was so good and so consistent. I said, okay, I need to start reading more short fiction. And I subscribed to a couple magazines. For a month, month and a half in December and January, I was good at keeping up with them. Right. I think that's just just how it's going to be there. More stories than we're probably able to read with our lives. Like, to fit into our lives. Like, there's, stories are coming out every month. There's a guy who's trying to do, like, everything in a given month and provide some sort of comment on at least some of them. And um, what's the Twitter account? Clouder of Two. Who hmm. does... He does, like, daily reviews of at least a few stories in the different uh, magazines. Quicksipreviews.blogspot.com. Are there any, do you find there are kinds of stories that you particularly enjoy or like something that really jumps out at you? Because I'm still trying to figure out when I have finished a story that I really liked, like being able to say this is the kind of thing I like about reading short stories. Um, you know, there's not a theme for me. Usually, usually what happens is I'll, it'll be a random story that I, that I actually have time to read. Mm-hmm from a random tweet that I see and I'll sit down and read it. And if it's good, I'll make a note of the author. And usually I'll share it somewhere. So if I share a story, that means I liked it. Okay. Like if I tweet it or if I put it on Facebook or if I talk about it on Google or Google plus or something or on Tumblr, that means I liked it a lot. Um, okay. And there have been a few stories that I've shared here recently. And I, I wish I had pulled them up before we got on, but, um, there are a few stories here recently. I know that one of them, uh, actually, you know, Fenderson Clark, he yes. linked me to it. Um, uh, the Devil in America, uh-huh. uh, Kaya Shante Wilson. That yes. was like that was like my favorite story of 2014. It was that so great. Was, that was really good. I caught that one as part of my trying desperately to read short fiction that people liked when yeah. doing Hugo nominations. And that was one that enough people said, you know, you should really take a look at this one. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it was really good. It was on my Hugo ballot for last year. Yeah. And I shared that everywhere, multiple times, uh, just because it was so great. So, yeah. Uh, but there is no no real, like, I guess, kind of set of criteria or, no, or a metric for what I like. I just, like, I don't, like, I love reading. So I love, I love sword and sorcery. I love the whole feel of it. But I can't read a short I can't read any sword and sorcery short fiction. It doesn't work for me. Really? Can't can't do it. I don't know why. 
I sit down, like, I, I, I look at Heroic Fantasy Quarterly every so often, uh-huh. and the only stories that I really have read there, there's one story that I re- revisit every so often, and Fenderson has two stories up there, and I read those. I read his stories, and I read the one story that I found in, like, 2011 that was really good. That's it. I can't read the other ones. That's funny to me, because when I think Sword and Sorcery, because I came late to Sword and Sorcery, like, it wasn't, I didn't read much of it at all. Like, growing up in my first pass through, it was all the big epic doorstops. Yeah. And then I would see people talking about, um, oh, the Fawford and Grey Mouser series. Yeah. uh, The Elric series. And so I, you know, I kind of kept my eyes out in used bookstores. I think the first thing I read that probably qualifies as Sword and Sorcery was the Amber series. Oh, yeah. But, like, all of those pretty short and i think that most of the elric and fritz lieber were like they were originally short stories and then they got stuck together Mm. so it's funny to me that for you sword and sorcery is not this is my reminder that that many different people have many different experiences with the fantasy genre yeah for sure all right one more question before comics which is about you mentioned that you kind of drifted away from the genre from time to time and then yeah. you came back to it. Any yeah. any particular books that brought you back and any thoughts beyond it it sounds like much like I'm I feel like I'm kind of happy to keep reading fantasy of various sorts, especially yeah. once I discovered there were things beyond the big big doorstops. Yeah. Um but it do you think it's mostly just okay? There's enough of this. I want to go read some essays or um, <laughs> contemporary African American lit, or is it like okay, I'm pushed away from this and and I need something new and exciting to bring me back? You know, the 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 older I get and the more developed I become as a reader, it does tend. I do tend to say, okay, that's enough of the speculative fiction. Go read an essay. Go read some literary fiction. Go read something that's not so obviously like sci-fi or fans so something that something that has the elements but isn't like wouldn't be shelved and i know that's probably a bad mm-hmm. like way to kind of categorize it but wouldn't be shelved in the sci-fi section because i really just i really recently read uh victor victor laval's uh big machine okay and you it's definitely science fiction but it mm-hmm. definitely wouldn't be shelved with the science fiction i don't think it's a really interesting premise guy he's a junkie he uh is trying to keep it spoiler free. He joins this really weird organization and ends up like becoming not a martyr, but like has these really pointed religious themes. Okay. And there's a really strong theme of redemption, especially in it. And I wouldn't I wouldn't call it sci fi, even though there's definitely science fiction. There's def you can definitely if you wanted to call it. And I read it because I was I got it from the library and I was like, I just don't want to go to the sci fi and fantasy section today. I just don't. <laughs> I'm gonna go over there and I'm gonna choose all the books and not read any of them. So let me get one book that I'm gonna read. And it was Victor Laval. Okay. Who was also a long hidden author, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh Lone Women. Yeah, that yeah. One yeah. Was really the going out to Montana. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. He 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 does some good stuff. Okay, I will have to I'll have to read other. All right, comics. I so I I never really read comics growing up. You've got a list of comics that you recommend for someone like me who doesn't really read comics and doesn't really mm. look at art much. What what should I be looking for or thinking about or like what what kind of clicks for you with comics? 
Well, first off, the art clicks with me. Before almost anything, like I was a visual artist. I trained as a visual artist all the way up until like I graduated from high school. And I wanted to draw comics when I was younger. So it's definitely the art. And if you if I name like the comics that I like a lot, like, and people hear this, they're gonna be like, Oh, those are all comics with great art because the art sticks out to me. But I also like comics that just tell a really great story. And right now, and not even right now, but just in the past few years, there have been, a, and I, I could just really say f- for the past 30 years, there have been some comics and some graphic novels that just tell amazing stories. And right now we're in, a, we're in an era where we can get them digitally. You don't have to like go to the store and buy a bunch of books. You can just download them. So are you, do you do comiXology now? Is that the... Is that the thing the kids are using these days? <laughs> yeah, uh, I do use it. Um, I, I've come up with like a like a like a philosophy or a set of criteria. So I only buy single issues on Comicsology. Okay. And because I'm back in the states now, I can get trade paperbacks really easily. Uh, so I only buy single issues on Comicsology, and I go to my local comic shop to buy the trades. And this past free comic day, I went. And I bought a few trades. And I kind of didn't, I, I used Comixology for like, I put comics that I wanted in in trades on my wish list. And then I used my wish list to choose what I wanted from the store. Okay. Just because I have a little more space now and they're easier to get. In Korea, you couldn't really get comics, the U.S. comics anyway. It was really hard to get them. Or they were really expensive. But now you've got space. Bookshelves. Yeah, bookshelves. Even though they're full, I'm looking at them right now and they're completely full of books book my books my wife's books my mother-in-law's books it's always interesting to me like what bookshelves mean to people and how that has changed my wife is basically all ebooks at this point um and i am finding that the more we have access to ebooks the more i appreciate having a real book like a physical book that i can stick on a shelf and that that's that's part of a room for me do you have are you one of those people like me who who pulls all of the books off the shelves and reorganizes them once or twice a year, or is there any organization? Are they just kind of smushed in where they? So fit? now that I'm sharing bookshelves, and because there's so many books on them, I don't do that. Uh, when I in my not necessarily bachelor days, when my wife and I were dating, I had my own place, or well, a place that I had I shared with two guys. And back then, I only really had graphic novels. I had a few books. But I had a lot of graphic novels, and I would always like fiddle with them, you know. And I pick them up and I read them. I had a couple volumes of like Black Panther and World War Hulk back when I read Marvel that I like pick up and I'd read it, and then I put it back and they're like, "Oh, that's crooked." So I'd like arrange them. And I was always fiddling with them, <laughs> but now not so much, just because there's so many books, and somehow we're buying more books, <laughs> even though the shelves are already full. We're getting more and more books. I just, I think I just bought a Stephen Barnes title. Yeah. So yeah, and some uh, Trudy Canavan. So yeah, I'm just, we're just buying books and putting them up here, and we're gonna, we're gonna eventually organize it to where you can actually tell what's up there. But for now, no. My comics collection has completely dwindled. I gave all of my graphic novels away when I moved. I moved to Nashville a while ago, and I gave everything away. And so now we're trying to rebuild it. And so I bought a few. I'm looking. I'm looking at the bookshelves now. <laughs> uh, it's slowly the the comics are slowly coming back. All right. Well, I, there are many more things I would love to ask you about, and I'm hoping I can have you back from time to time. But 
Uh, let's close because because we are running into the time limit, and I want to close with just a book that's got some kind of significance to you, either how you found it or the first time you read it or going back to it over and over again, but just, just something that, that kind of you see it and you smile. And um, do you have one of those? There is a book that is directly responsible for my deciding to write fantasy fiction. And it, okay. it's David Anthony Durham's Acacia. And I was reading that. I was... This was one of the times I was coming back to the genre and I was, this was after college. I just graduated and I was unemployed and I was, didn't have anything to do really, but apply for jobs. So while I was applying for jobs at the library, I went and picked up a book and I hadn't been to the fantasy and sci-fi section in a while. So I went over there and I had a phone, I had a smartphone. I was like, uh, black fantasy authors. I Googled it. And his name was like one of the first ones to come up and his book was called Acacia. And so I found it and I went, and I picked it up and I started reading it and it was great. And I was like, oh, this guy's writing. I mean, why can't I write a book about stuff like this? And so I, I started writing that day. I started writing a story. I don't know whether he knows it or not. I tell him about it whenever, if I ever see him, I, I like emailed him a few years ago. And I was like, you made me write. That definitely is a book that influenced me a great deal. And it's directly responsible for me being a writer right now. And so when I do see it, I don't own a copy of it right now. I gave it away with the rest of my books. But if I do see it in the library, in a bookstore, I do look at it and be like, you know, I, I do a little sigh, like, huh. So <laughs> that's the one book I think that was that, that that is the most influential for me at the moment right now. Awesome. Awesome. This will be my now not so secret confession that I started mm. acacia a few years ago and kind of uh, bounced off of it so i'm gonna have to go back and try again i just i i remember it being like yeah. the royal family and then the royal family yeah. all got scattered and and i i just i was not in a place where i wanted to read about yeah. scattered royal Get family it. trying to yeah. rebuild their kingdom and Okay, I. I'm it was definitely a lot. But I'll say that there was some there was there were some points in it where I was like, and I just lost my dad, you know. So there were some points in it where I was like, oh, okay. I don't know if I can do this, but you know, just the idea that here's a guy who is black who wrote an epic fantasy series, mm -hmm. and it's not all white people, mm -hmm. and uh, you know that fact. In addition to it being there being some pieces in it that I really enjoyed reading, the fact. The fact uh -huh. of the kind of surrounding piece of his identity really affected me. Yeah, like it wasn't a it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad book, and the author was black, and it's fantasy all that together. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome, and I am certainly very glad that you are writing. <laughs> so, thanks for that. Thank you very much for. Uh, Writing the story in Long Hidden that... A score of Roses. Yes, for Score of Roses. It I'm was really good. So. Thanks for listening to Cabbages and Kings. Please let me know what you think of the show. On the website, cabbagesandkings.audio, there's a feedback form and also a page if you'd like to be on the show. Or just go ahead and email contact at cabbagesandkings.audio. I'm on Twitter at Jay Sutton Morse. The show is on Twitter at King Cabbage Cast. 
Let me know what you enjoyed, what books you're reaching for now, what I can do to make the show better. The website also has an occasional blog, my running tweets on books I'm reading, and importantly, a link to the RSS feed for this show, which you can also find on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are aggregated. Until next time, enjoy your reading.